Let's open up to Romans 12 once again. I think many of you are catching on that we're going to start there. Continuing talking about metamorphosis, transformation, this supernatural, wonderful journey, walking with Jesus and becoming more and more like Him. How many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody where you hung out so much that you started to talk alike? Maybe dress alike. How many of you have ever been in a relationship where you got to know someone where you could finish each other's sentence? Right? Or you knew what they were thinking. Right? I love that because in this journey of transformation, it's really relational. What, what we're encouraged to do is get to know Jesus so much that we know what he's thinking. That we would, you know, it was, it was so interesting. Years and years ago, remember WWJD was, was really big and they had bracelets. And hey, I get it. What would Jesus do, right? They have Bible covers. And it's a reminder to, to stop and think throughout the day when you're confronted with a choice. Well, what would Jesus do? Part of the challenge of that, and I, and I don't know if it was taught as well as it could have been, was, well, you got to know him. You got to know him. And so I think in, inadvertently what happened with the What Would Jesus Do campaign is people made it a list of behaviors. And so, well, what would Jesus do? And somehow it was, it was supposed to be separate from what you would do. And, and it was sort of this distinct thing when, when really because we're in Christ, we're called to have such a fellowship, such a union such a relationship with Jesus that we would just sort of be doing what Jesus would do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Being led by the Holy Spirit, living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and you're doing what Jesus would do because you're thinking what Jesus would think, and you're having the mind of Christ in all these different areas. You're developing what we call a biblical worldview, and it's all relational. It's all relational. And so... My encouragement for us this morning, as we continue to talk about transformation, please try not to look at it like like that car project in your garage that you are going to get to at some point, or you're going to add a little bit, you know, but it's something external, like it's a project. Transformation comes from the inside out. Remember, it's the same word as transfigure. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, and, and when he was with his you know, his boys, and he said, hey, check this out, boom, right? And he was transfigured. What he was doing was showing what was on the inside. He let it out. And so transformation, I just want to encourage you as we move forward, it begins on the inside. It's a relationship. It's a heart issue in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about being transformed, please don't misinterpret it. Well, now he's just talking about more to-dos and more not-to-dos more external behaviors because that's what Christians are about, right? Isn't that what Christianity is? You know, do's and don'ts and I'm transformed as long as the list. Check. No, no, no. Transformation at its core, we're talking about relationship. Relationship. And, and as you grow in your relationship with Jesus from the inside out, you are transformed and your behavior follows. Okay, so maybe if you've been... Maybe challenged this first three months of this year, and you're like, man, it just seems like I don't. I'm, it does, I'm not getting it because it just seems like it's more, and I'm more to, to do's, and, and I just look at my life, and and I, it, it just I'm, I'm failing in so many areas. Maybe 
shift your focus away from your external behaviors to your relationship with Jesus. Fall more in love with Him. What He says, if you love me, you will what? You will keep my accounts. You will obey me. So again, we, we flip that. Well, I've got to prove to Jesus that I love Him. And we, we, we put obedience. Well, I'm being obedient, so there, Jesus. Does that show you that I love you? Right? We're really... If we understand the heart of it, it's like, if you love me, by default, you will be obeying me. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? How many of you have fallen in love with someone and your behavior changed because you were in love? Come on. Right? Versus, Wes, if you love me, boom, here's your to-do's. And if you fulfill every to-do, I'll know you love me. How many want that relationship? Right? Because Wes, if you love me, forget it. Right? Wes is out. Wes is already checked out. He's done. See, it's weird. We talk about Christianity being a love relationship. And if we're not careful, some of the most foundational relational scriptures we flip into the law. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. That's not law. That's love. So focus on loving him. Wes, I've asked you this before. All that you do for your beautiful wife is done from a heart of love, right? That's correct. <laughs> Good answer. Right? 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 We have a couple that's soon to be married. little premarital counseling right here. So uh, are you sure, Josh? Because <laughs> we've talked about the walk of death here. You remember that. But it's, it's love, right? All the planning and all the preparation, it's hopefully coming from a, your heart inside out. And so as we're talking about transformation, our heart here is we want you to love Jesus. If you love him, you'll obey him. Because you'll want to. You'll want to. Right? I think about uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. You remember the story in the Old Testament. Potiphar's wife comes after Joseph, right, and wants to have an adulterous affair, and Joseph is in charge of, of the household, right? And so she sets him up, and she's tempting him. She says, come on, come on, come on. No one will know. No one will know. And what does Joseph say? He says, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? Do you see? His heart was that he didn't want to sin against God. It was a relational issue. Right? A lot of times when we're confronted with temptation, how many of us are motivated by fear? Fear of getting caught. Fear of consequences. Right? Fear of lightning bolts. Right? That's a fear. Now, the problem with trying to live your life motivated by fear of consequences, punishment, is the motivation only works as long as you're what? Afraid. But as soon as you think mom and dad are never going to find out what you did while they were away on the trip. Thelma, why are you laughing? <laughs> and how true it is? You want to share something, Thelma? <laughs> right? So as long, whenever, as, as soon as the fear goes away, fear of getting caught, fear of consequences, suddenly that motivation to honor, obey, your parents goes away. That's the same thing with the Lord. We can, if we're motivated by fear, well, I did it and nothing happened. 
no lightning bolts, right? It's not like the Old Testament where, you know, you disobey, earth opens up, ah! and, you know, you're like, not doing that, <laughs> right? Now sometimes we disobey God, and we were maybe didn't initially because you were scared, but you did something, and nothing bad happened, at least what you think, right? There's things happening in your heart, getting hardened and all of that, but no earth swallowing, no, no, you know, a horrible thing happens, so all of a sudden maybe the fear goes away because you don't experience these horrible immediate consequences. So then your, your walk with the Lord, you know, can kind of spiral downward because you're no longer af- afraid. But see, then we flip that's just, just completely wrong. We're here to be transformed out of love. Amen? So focus on love. Focus on love. Even when we're talking today, understand God loves you. And he simply wants you to love him with your whole being. If you love him with your whole being, your behavior will follow. Amen? That's why we're doing what we're doing and taking the time that we're taking. So, Romans 12. All right. Let me turn back to it. Romans 12. Let's read it again together. Verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Where do you begin? Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, thank you. For your word, and now once again as we study it, we want to be hearers and doers. And we believe that in the application of your word, Lord, that we truly will be transformed. Uh, Not only as our minds are renewed, but also as uh, you, through your Holy Spirit, give us very specific uh, points of application uh, once we leave here. So we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we have been looking at these wonderful this wonderful picture of transformation. It's right here. Remember this metamorphosis. And little by little, after we come to know Christ, for the rest of our life, rest of our time on this planet, we are to be in transformation. The verses we just read, metamorphosis, a supernatural journey, by primarily through the renewing of our mind, right? So turn to Colossians, Colossians 1. And I love the Bible because of the word pictures. And, you know, it, it's really simple. And, and sometimes we resonate more so with pictures than with just words on a page. So Colossians 1, we looked at this. This was Paul's prayer. And really, I shared last week, this is really my heart and our heart as pastors and shepherds here. Colossians 1, 9. The Apostle Paul has heard a wonderful report about the believers in Colossae. And he says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God. I shared with you, you know, I, when I was studying this and praying over it last week, this, I'm like, thank you, Lord. You know, after 20 plus years of ministry, 
for some reason, these, this just resonated with me at the core level. Of said, someone says, what is your heart? What do you desire for those people that go to your church? What, what is it? Because sometimes people look at pastors as like, oh, it's the spiritual popo. Right? You're just a spiritual popo. Okay. You know, it's like funny. Like if I'll call someone, hey, what's up? You could tell by their tone. Yeah, hi. It's like the telemarketer is calling or the spiritual popo. Why are you calling, pastor? Something wrong? Right? It's like we only show up to something wrong. Or it's funny, you know, you go visit someone or something. And it's like, oh, there's three of you. I must be really sick. You know what I mean? It's like this strange thing, right? How come all three of you had to come? No, we're here because we love you and we want the best for you. And look what he says in Colossians 1.9. He heard this. Since the day we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why do we preach the word here? Because we pray that you would be filled. That word filled is controlled, saturated, drenched. Okay? The word filled in the Bible really means control. Right? The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so we teach scripture here we teach scripture wednesday nights when counseling issues come up we go to the word of god because we want you to be so saturated so filled so controlled by the word of god that you know his will and you know how to apply it that's our heart here we're not here to ruin your life we're not here to make you feel guilty we're not here to show you everything you're doing wrong at our core We want you to know God and know His Word and His will so much that it controls you. That it is the basis of your worldview. And because, look at verse 10. And we pray this, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. How many see verse 10 as a positive? How many see verse 10 as like, yes! I could see that as a life vision, a life goal for me. If, if, if I could look at that at the end of my time on planet Earth, that um, I lived a life worthy of the Lord, I pleased Him and bore fruit and grew. How many of you would say, yes, I, I, I would like that testimony? It's a good thing, right? Okay, so remember that the next time I come knocking. <laughs> because it's a good thing. We want you to live a life worthy of the Lord. That word worthy, right? Go ahead, Shiloh. The word picture for worthy is scales. To live a life worthy of the Lord means that your life is in balance with Jesus' character. That's all. That's another image of transformation. We often will start as believers with this, a little bit out of whack. Right? And so one way that you can picture your transformation and the decisions you make and I make every day is to change our conduct little by little over time. And so, go ahead, Shai. Eventually, that's the goal. How many would say that's a good goal? How many of you honestly have seen the scales already going like this in your life? Anyone? That's called a testimony. Attitude, language, habits, right? It, all it is is bringing the scales to this. And it's all based on what we talked about at the very beginning. Love. Love, right? Thank you, Shelley. You can put that up. And so in Romans, he says, be transformed, right? Let's look at Romans 12 one more time before we go back, before we launch forward. Romans 12, 
And you've heard this word mentioned over and over again, Romans 12, 1 and 2. If we're going to be transformed, if we're going to continue on this journey, if the scales are going to continue to be moved more and more to be in balance with Jesus' character, it really boils down, guys. Here, It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Here it is. Choices. Decisions. Throughout the day. Right? Romans 12.1 says, right there, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. It's a choice. Now we say, well, it's a command. Well, it's a choice. Are you going to choose to obey that command? Right? Then it says, um, keep reading, it says, uh, verse 2, Romans 12.2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know what? What is that? What is that? Choice. Ooh. Well, how do you know it's a choice? Well, the Bible says that you've been given the Holy Spirit and you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. So you now have the freedom in Christ, the power in Christ to make a choice to no longer be conformed to the pattern. It says basically it's saying don't let the world mold you any longer. But what, what does that boil down to? A. Okay, like three of you said that. And why is it difficult to say choice? Because you have to choose. <laughs> you have to own it. You have to own it. To acknowledge that the transformation process really boils down to my choices and your choices game changer in a wonderful way in a wonderful way because God's not asking you to do something and he never commands us to do something we can't do doesn't mean it's easy but what does second Peter 1 and 3 second Peter 1 verse 3 say he has given us everything we need for what life and godliness right turn to second Peter 1 3 we looked at this verse Absolutely foundational. If you want to be transformed, you got to believe this verse and then you got to act on it. So, Second Peter, Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter, one three. Second Peter one three. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us what? Has given us what? Everything we what? Need for life and godliness. So we're called to be transformed. We're called to have the scales be moving to be more balanced. Do you have everything you need for that journey? According to the Scriptures. Yes. So now, are you equipped and empowered to make the choices you need to make? Yes. And it's an enthusiastic yes. It should be an enthusiastic yes. Why isn't it an enthusiastic yes? Because you have to make a choice. 
Why aren't we enthusiastically embracing the truth that we have everything we need for life and godliness? Thank you, Lord. Woohoo! Let's go. Lois, you're just. <laughs> oh, we got this sinful nature and we want to do what we want to do. Isn't it the truth that in the end, we all do what we want to do? Come to church or not. Read your Bible or not. Obey Scripture or not. In the end, we all do what we want to do. Now, the good news is that sinful nature is no longer our master. So when we do what we want to do, who chose that? <laughs> he did, right? <laughs> right? Right? So we, we know that there's, there's enemies. There's the world, the world system. There's the flesh. You talk about And the devil. Okay? Are we helpless victims? No, you've been empowered. You, as believers, we have to joyfully accept and embrace. We have been empowered to walk in godliness. We have been empowered. That should be a hoorah. Right? It should be a hoorah moment. Right? Our brother Bill has a dream. Lord willing, Deo Valente, right? He's going to take a long hike somewhere as soon as he's well enough. Right? What's the, what's the big vision? How many miles is that, Bill? 1,170. We're taking sign-ups in the back for those who would like to join. <laughs> He'll follow him in the car. You'll be the support vehicle. Yes. So he enjoys hiking. He's done that before. And, and he looks forward to Lord willing being able to, to do it again. So he wants to go on a journey. He has a vision for a journey. Right? Now, he's smart. He's, he's, he's trained for it. Before all of this happened, every once in a while around here on Thursdays, he's walking around in bare feet. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I'm training. Okay, <laughs> you know he's getting to the bottom of his feet, all toughened up, I guess, for for the for the hike, the walk. That's a long walk, right? Oh my God, <laughs> right? Some of us feel that way about our process of sanctification. Some of us are willingly like, "Woo, let's do this! I'm excited." Others are like, "Oh my gosh," right? And and the good thing about Bill is he's so smart and he's reasonable and he's training, but he's also acquiring everything he needs for this, right? And I, and I asked him if, if, he would, if he would bring his backpack that, that he... Uh, Ty, are you, are you good to put this on? So, so this is his backpack. Now, when did you use this, Bill? That's the old one. How many miles did you hike in this one? How many? 1,500 miles with this on your back. There you go. Right? So Bill wants to take this walk, and he, he said 1,500 with this on your back. And he's doing 1,100, right? So he's got a new one. And, and he's learned. And, and after that first one, he's been researching new equipment and everything. He got this tent. I saw a picture of it weighs 15 ounces. 
a tent, right? So he's lightening the load in preparation. At a certain point, Bill's going to say, I have everything I need for my trip in my backpack. And then he's going to take the first step. And however many steps it takes for 1,100 miles, he's going to know and he's going to start the journey confident and at peace that he has everything he needs. And then throughout the journey, he's going to have to make decisions about using these. That's why they're there. To be used. Right? Wouldn't it be crazy? I got everything I need. Did you use them? No. Right? Thank you. So the question for us is then, if we have everything we need spiritually for our spiritual walk, and it's all there, right? We talked about the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. We're new creations. We have everything we need for this journey. Why don't we use them? Why don't we, as soon as the need arises, why don't we just choose to open it up and take out what we need? Right? That's a heart question, and that, that, that's something that, that maybe just in the whole reframing of it this way will help you understand. We are on a lifelong walk called transformation. The Bible says we've been given everything we need. So then we just have to choose to appropriate and avail, appropriate it and, and, and avail ourselves of it. The question is, why don't you, why don't I appropriate, use what's already been given to us by God? That's, that's a heart level question that I encourage you to really think about in light of biblical truth. Because if you answer that question, watch out. Watch out what happens to your life. When you find it, oh, it's been there all along. It's been there all along. Right? It might be one of those moments. Ah! been sloshing around trying to do it on my own. God gave me everything I need, right? Give me everything I need. And today we're going to we're going to take a step forward if you go to Timothy, 2nd Timothy. We know that we are called to be proactive, not passive, right? Exercise yourself unto godliness. Philippians 2 says work out your salvation, not work for, but work it out, bring it to completion. And in 2nd Timothy, the Apostle Paul is in prison, waiting his sentencing. He's writing a letter to his to Timothy, who he's been mentoring. Timothy, a younger uh, gentleman who's about to step into a very uh, strong leadership role in a church. And so Paul is writing him this letter, and I think there's application. The context is, is to Timothy, but then we can bring the application out to Timothy's congregation, and I believe even to the broader body of Christ, right? So 2 Timothy 1, now let's just start, let's go to 1, let's start in verse 1. 2 Timothy 1, 1 says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. 
recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So here's Timothy. He has sincere faith. I believe many of you have sincere faith. I don't doubt your desire to love God, to walk with God, to grow as a Christian, however you want to phrase that. I believe many of you sincerely, genuinely want to follow Christ. And so Paul acknowledges that. And then he says something. Hey, you know what, Timothy? You have something in you. It's a gift, right? I am persuaded. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy already has something. And Paul, and this is the sermon title, Paul says, hey, Timothy, I want to remind you about what you're supposed to be doing with what you've been given. Because we already saw in 2 Peter 1.3, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness, right? Mind of Christ, Holy Spirit, Word of God, right? It's already in us. Timothy has this gift that's already in him, and Paul exhorts him. But very specifically, right? He says this. Verse 6. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame. Stir up. Stir up. How often do you fan into flame what God's been given to you? Do you proactively stir up the gift of God and everything He's given you? Right? Now, this isn't, this isn't, he's not saying that, hey, Timothy, you let it out, you, you, let it, you let it go out completely, restart it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you know that, that gift? It, the word picture in, in this culture, what happened was when there was a, a fire or a, a flame, they didn't always keep the flame on. What they did is they kept it as coals. Okay? And so when he said, fan into flame, he means, you know, a bellow. He said, hey, it's there. Stir it up to flame. Don't let it go out, is what he's saying. It's there. It's not out. But do what is necessary. Stir up the gift. What's in you? Are you stirring it up? See, that's a choice. Because if you come to church long enough, it's real easy to get passive. Real easy to get passive. And what we end up being are just like coals laying right next to each other. And we just kind of like the warmth. You know, there's a whole bunch of coals, a whole bunch of coals. And it's funny because the coals sit in the same place every Sunday. <laughs> Except in the last few months when we had a bunch of new people, which is awesome, and the old coals had to move to new places. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you look at it in the word picture that the people would understand, he's like, hey, there's coals here. He says, Timothy, fan it into flame. Stir it up. Stir it up. What are you doing in your walk with Jesus to stir it up? To stir it up. Nothing wrong with 
with routine and, and spiritual habits. We're big on the spiritual disciplines. Unless it becomes a rut. And sometimes you need to stir it up. How does that manifest itself practically? Go to the women's thing. Stir it up. Get out of your comfort zone. Be around new ladies. Be challenged by fresh voices. Stir it up. Stir it up. Start doing offering prayer. <laughs> right? Stir it up. Stir it up. See, oftentimes what happens, we get stirred up because of crisis. We often look at circumstances in our life to be the catalyst for... Because when crisis comes, what happens to our prayer life? Goes up. Church attendance goes up. We start calling people. We're stirred up because of crisis. He's saying, no, there's no crisis. Just choose to proactively stir it up. That might mean go to Wednesday night. Stir up your Wednesdays. That might mean serve. Step out of your comfort zone. Right? The worship team got stirred up when they were, had the opportunity to do Good Friday service. Right? It stirred it up. And, I, and we spent a month. If you came to Good Friday, understand we spent a month for that set. Because I said, you know what? This is Sunday. They're very forgiving here. They like you here. You miss a note. Sound goes out. Feedback on a Sunday. Oh, you guys are so good. Oh, we love you so much. Go to Good Friday in front of the whole valley and a sound check when the church hasn't even arrived and you're sound checking to the entire community across the street and everybody hears you. Woo! Believe me, they got stirred up and they were brought out of their comfort zone and it stirred up the worship team. It took their gifting to another level because they were challenged. They got it was fanned into flame. Right? What are you doing personally to fan into flame what God has given you? You may need to stir the coals. How many of you like playing with fire? Okay, most of the guys' hands are going up right here. Right? Right? And you're there and you're looking at the coals and you got a stick in your hand and you just have to move it. Right, Josh? For no reason. It's just fun. Ooh, flame. And the flame comes up and you want to move it a little more. Like it's Stephanie's like, yeah, that's him. He just likes to play with fire. He just likes to play with... What in your life needs to be poked and prodded? What needs to be flipped around, stirred up, so that there's a mess, and, and, and all of a sudden, boo, boo. Where have you gone kind of passive? Where, where, spiritually? And he tells Timothy, stir it up, fan the flame. Fan the flame, right? And then turn one bit back, look at 1 Timothy 4. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 4. four fourteen. He says this to Timothy. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. That word neglect, make light of, to be careless with. To make light of, to be careless with. Ooh. Have I, have we, have you neglected what God's given you? 
Have you taken it lightly? Have you been careless? And that's why I'm challenged. If you've ever traveled around the, the, the globe to other countries, he, note, people view these pages very highly. People want the actual physical Word of God scriptures. They don't, this is not taken lightly. They're not careless with where their Bible is. People are desperate for actual pages of Scripture. And yet, because here in, the, in our country, you can go down to every store and buy a Bible, even Walmart, we get careless with the gift, God's Word. We get careless with it. We, 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 we don't even regard it anymore. We, my Bible? Where is that? Hun, you seen my Bible? Well, when was the last time you used it? I think it was like a month ago. Do we, do we neglect? Do we take lightly? Do we disregard what God's given us? You know, if you've been stuck in transformation and you're wondering why I just don't feel like the scales are moving, it might be because you've been neglecting what God's given you already. See, here's the thing. He wasn't telling Timothy to add anything. Timothy had the gift. He had everything he needed. Paul was just asking him, what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? Have you neglected it? Let me, let me put this in real practical terms. Turn to the person next to you and smile. Go ahead. That person is a gift. Regardless of what happened before church <laughs> this morning, <laughs> we'll talk about that this week. Okay, um, the gathering of the community of believers is a gift. Do we do we do we take it lightly? Do we how highly do you regard it? Do we neglect it? Right. And then you wonder, why aren't I growing spiritually? Well, He's given you everything you need. It might just be that you need to fan it into flame and you need to stop neglecting it. Which boils down to what? Choices. Choices. We've all been given a gift, right? Now, in this context, He's talking about a spiritual gift. Who has been given a spiritual gift? Everyone. So if you're a believer... Put your hand up if you have a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is, but you've been given one. That's biblical. You have the Holy Spirit, which is the gift, but the Spirit dispenses gifts to the, every believer. When? When do you get the gift? That moment. What are you doing with it? Oh. It's in here somewhere. Gift? You said I've been given a gift? Gift, 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 gift. Where is it? Do you know it? What are you doing with it? Because it's in here. Because you just raised your hand and said you were given one the moment you put your faith in Christ. It's in here. Do you know how to use it? See, uh, Bill, he went in his backyard and put that little 15-ounce tent up. 
I'm guessing so that when out on the trail, that he didn't want out on, in the middle of nowhere to be the first time taking it out of the plastic wrap. How does this? Oh, I'm missing a part, <laughs> right? No, he wanted to know how to use it in his walk. So he put it together in his backyard. I don't know if he slept out there, but he put it together, right? It's in here. You have a gift. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? First Timothy 4, he said, don't neglect it. Second Timothy 1, 6, he says, stir it up, fan into flame. Now, there are, there are, if you've been in church, you know sometimes there's those inventories you take, but, but one of the primary ways that you discover your gift is by doing. Step out in faith. And you may find something uh, that you have a passion for that edifies others, that you get confirmation through the body of Christ, and you, you get a gift revealed. You, oh, I didn't even know that, right? You might try something and it's not really your passion and you don't really bear fruit in it. That's okay too. You just discovered that's not your gift. But you can move forward in all genuine sincerity seeking. Lord, show me the gift that you say I have. See, that's why it's very challenging in churches because Ephesians 4 says that the body of Christ grows when every part does its work. So it's really interesting because in churchdom, you know, sometimes people have uh, these membership roles and then they make slots within the membership roles. Active members and inactive members. Okay, biblically, can you ever be an inactive member of the body of Christ? Biblically, is there such a thing as an inactive member of the body of Christ? No! Because you just raised your hand and you said you had a gift. Who is the gift to be used for? The body. Not you. God gives me, God gives you to edify the body. So biblically, there is no such thing as an inactive member. That's just truth. So where does the life and vibrancy come from in a church? One of the aspects, everyone discovering their gifts and using them. That's what it is. This idea in the American churchdom that, well, you know, I'm just going to go and sit. And I'm just going to see if I like it and what I can get. Right? I, I shared with you before this whole getter versus giver. A lot of times people come to church for what they can get. I hope I get a good message. I hope my kids get a good children's program. I hope I get good music. When the whole point on Sundays, okay, here's, you want to change your Sunday experience? When you wake up in the morning, in part of your prayer, you say, Lord, I'm going to go to 105 East Topa Topa, and I want to be a giver, not just the getter. That will radically transform what happens in your life in the two hours that you're here. If you will come and get out of your car and cross the street and say, Lord, how can I give today? How can I be a giver? Maybe my gifting, I'm going to love someone, I'm going to greet someone, I'm going to go have fellowship. But Lord, it's not about... Okay, let's say that again. It's not about me. See, your transformation, your, your balancing of the scales, your journey from caterpillar to butterfly is founded on you not being about you. It's about being about Jesus and it being about everyone around you. If you will love Jesus, love God and love your, another, uh, your neighbor, love others, transformation will come. 
He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. What are you doing with what you've been given? What have you been doing? So here's the thing. If somebody got saved today, in a few minutes, someone gives their life to Christ, right? And it's genuine and they're saved. Do you realize that as soon as service is over, they can talk to Tyler about how to use the gift and how to discover the gift? Because they don't want to neglect it. It happens that fast. See, that's, that's where the, the, the church has lost the reality of this immediate... Re- because we say, well, nothing wrong with this, but this is how we train people. Did you give your life to Christ today? Yes. Say yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> He's like, what I'll say, is this a trick question? So someone gives their life to Christ, and this is what we can say. Nothing wrong with this, but hear, hear what happens. Well, I would like you to come to an eight-week New Believers course. Okay? And then you need to read your Bible and pray. And, and inadvertently, as we're teaching the fundamentals, we're also teaching them it's all about Him. What we should also include is that is, well, you know what? God's given you a gift, and if you're a part of this body, we would love to get you jump, just jump, have you jump right in and use that gift with us. Because that's what believers do. See the difference? What we inadvertently do in the American church is we make new believers become very heady. Become very heady. And when, after two or three years, we feel you're good and ready, then we've got to try to convince you <laughs> to get out of the pews. When all along, you should have jumped right out right when you got saved. Amen? That's what happened. I remember reading this article years ago, back in the 90s or so, about... Uh, how communists would recruit people into their organization. You know what someone would do back then when when someone wanted to join their organization? Here's what they would do. Here's a stack of leaflets. I want you to go out in the corner right now. Well, you said you wanted to join us. This is what we do. Get out there. And right away they would have to make a decision. Am I in or out by the doing? We in the church flip that and we say, no, just come and sit. Come and sit and be a learner and be a getter. And after a while, I'm going to have to convince you it's not about you, even though for two years it's been about you. But now it's no longer about you. Well, I don't know. Because I'm kind of busy now. Two years into this, I got my Christian schedule. I even have my Sunday schedule. And now, Pastor, you're rankling my feathers because I got my world in two years all set. I got my box. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. If you're a believer, you have a gift, you should be using it immediately. Ban it. Don't neglect it. Right? One of the challenges we have is, in, even, even how this occurs in the church, with the best of intentions, we want to change behavior so we stop hanging out with the wrong crowd. And that's important. You have to be very aware of who you hang out with. But what happens after two or three years? Believers have no non-believing friends. They're not even being salt and light anymore. They go from Christian event to Christian event and hang out with Christian friends. Don't be afraid of the world. Monitor who you hang out with. That's important. You don't want to be sucked into the world. But you don't have to be afraid of your unsaved friends. Be who you are in Christ. Speak the truth in love. Use the gift in God. Just go out there. Amen? So, 
What are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? Right? It's already there. If you've been with us since January, you know a whole lot of Bible. You really do. In fact, if you've served all those sermon notes and everything from, from January 3rd to today, you know what you could do? You could go to another country and begin to teach that week by week, and they would think that you were a Bible scholar. Not because of my notes, but because of what you know. Seriously. Seriously. You guys already know a ton. You really do. The question is, what are you doing with what you've been given? Right? And next week we're going to look at verse 7 because he says, Hey, Timothy, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, self-discipline. A lot of reasons, one of the reasons, you may not have known what you've been given. You may have been neglecting it. You may not have been stirring it up. Next week, we're going to ask ourselves, maybe you've been dominated by the spirit of fear. Maybe it's the spirit of fear that keeps you sort of immobilized. Wednesday night, we had this incredible discussion because the beginning of 630, at 6.30, either Bill and I will say, okay, volunteer to pray. We've been saying this for like three or four years, five years. Volunteer to pray. After her, how many years, right? No condemnation. Just, just this is what happened. And so I just felt it was an opportunity to ask the question: Why are we so afraid to pray, even in church? Why are we so afraid to pray? And it was beautiful, honest. We're afraid of what people are going to think. Just it was fear. Not good enough. Fear, fear of rejection, fear of ridicule, fear of criticism. In prayer. Talking to our Heavenly Father. We're afraid of what man will think as I talk to Father. Fear, fear, fear. And he says in verse 7, we have not been given the spirit of fear. Next week, we're going to ask ourselves, how much does fear control you? I encourage you, if fear, worry, anxiety has been a uh, in your life, come next Sunday. Because we're going to get real about this issue of fear. And, and it comes down to choices, though. And I close with this. Betty was sitting right here on Wednesday. And I shared this with her permission. Thursday, we went, the three of us had a, uh, some issue with electricity, but we were in her, went to her home to look at the electrical issue. And she wanted to share something. And she shared about her fear of praying in public. Right? I can't pray. And we talked about it. And it was rooted in fear and we discovered that this fear was kind of a carryover from school days when she was afraid of what people were going to think or afraid of failure afraid of criticism and speaking in front of the class anyone right right and so we had this beautiful discussion with her about who she is in Christ today everything she's been given for life and godliness. And she acknowledges who she was before she came to Christ and all the fears and everything. And all of us have these experiences pre-Jesus. What she hadn't identified was that that old Betty was still affecting the new Betty. And we lovingly said, it's a choice. It's a choice. 
to walk in newness of life. To use what you've been given. Right? And what did you tell me during meet and greet? That, that What's going to happen this Wednesday? She just told me this in meet and greet. I have chosen to pray some Wednesday night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Betty has chosen to pray this Wednesday. So, if you, she beat you to it. If any of you were going <laughs> to... Because you know we can only have one. No, you know, she has chosen. We we lovingly challenged her. She was truthful. What we loved about that meeting with her is her genuineness, her authenticity. I'm just scared. And we had a discussion about where the fear comes from. Identified it that she was she was walking not a newness of life in this area. It was the old Betty. She was walking as the old Betty, and it wasn't working. And we just had to remind her and challenge her who she was in Christ. Biblical truth. And then she had to make a choice. And you just heard the manifestation of that choice. This Wednesday, she's going to pray out loud. Isn't that glorious? See, that's life. That's response. That's being spirit-filled, walking in the spirit. That's life. That's the new life he talks about. What have you been doing with what you've been given? And if you're sitting here and you go, oh, yeah, I've been neglecting it. I've been careless. I've lightly regarded it. Oh, I need to fan it. I'm, 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 I'm just a coal sitting next to another coal. And we're like, how you doing? Good. It's kind of warm, yeah? Right? If you're just kind of a lump of coal, maybe God is challenging you lovingly. Get out there. Do something. Because we've already been given everything we need. Amen? Let's pray together. Robert, you can come up. Lord, thank you that our transformation, our walk with you is relational. It's rooted in love. You have given us everything we need for life and godliness. A spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit. The Word of God. We are new creations in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Our brother Bill wants to go on a journey and he's filling his backpack with everything he needs. And then he has to choose to use those things. Lord, this morning we are reminded you have given us everything we need in our spiritual backpack. Everything. And so in the end it boils down to choice. Decisions. And if we have been neglecting our gift and the gifts you've given us, Lord, we confess that now. If we have been careless, not regarding them, as they should be regarded. We, we confess that. We just admit it. And we choose to repent and turn from that behavior. And Lord, if we become complacent and we're, we're, we're exhorted this morning to fan it into flame, to stir it up, if we become comfortable and we, we, we come as just a coal to sit and receive and be a, a, a getter, Lord, we confess that. We're called to give. We're called to use the gifts you have given us for the edification of the body of Christ, for the proclamation of the gospel to the world. It's not about us. 
so we confess this as well. Our complacency, our apathy, our self-centeredness. If we've come and we've become getters and not givers. Lord, we want to be givers. Maybe even Sundays we change our heart and our attitude. Lord, I'm going to go to church to be a giver, not just a getter. Lord, in my workplace, I'm going to be a giver, not just a getter. In all my relationships, I'm going to be a giver of the love of Jesus, not just a getter. What a radical thing could happen. So, Father, forgive us if we've just been getters, self-centered, self-absorbed. Forgive us. And, Father, now, give us practical application. And maybe someone here understands this relationship, this Christianity, clearly for the first time. And they've never received the ultimate gift of salvation. If that's you and you've never received God's gift of salvation through faith in Jesus alone, this morning, know that God loves you. Jesus was crucified, He died, He buried, and rose again. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. If you've never put your faith, your entire trust, rested your weight fully on Jesus as Savior and Lord, do that this morning. And know that when you do that, you become a child of God. You receive everything you need for life and godliness immediately. You're given a spiritual gift immediately. You have the Holy Spirit immediately. And you can walk joyfully with Jesus down this road of transformation. Put your faith in Christ this morning. Just talk to God in the quietness of your heart. Just tell Him you believe on Jesus. You're resting fully in His finished work at Calvary and His resurrection. Thank Him for dying for your sins. And Lord, as we take communion this morning, we do it in remembrance of You, Jesus But perhaps today we're also reminded that we've been given everything we need. And as we sit in our pews and meditate on on the cross and communion, Lord, would would you speak to our hearts about how to practically, in real life ways, use what we already have in our backpacks. We're going to take communion and... um, If you're new, we're going to bring the trays to the center and you can come up, uh, grab two cups, go back to your seats, and you can take communion just on your own, a time of just private uh, reflection and prayer. Amen.